John Ubaldi at Ubaldi Reports. And always is my with me is my co-host Joe Bitts, retired combat marine, who got wounded because he stepped on something he shouldn't have stepped on in Iraq. He's got all his limbs, but if he was more careful, he might not be the Joe Bits that we know today. All right, we're going to have to stop. I think you have to disconnect that you're coming in and coming out, going in, going out. So I think we just need to. Let me, let me take these off. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to stop. Oh, no. I'll just, we'll start the half hour here in a second. Second. Good to go. Hold on. Testing one. Speak again. Okay. You hear me? You're distant. <laughs> I think it's just as long as you. I, I think I'm coming in clear because I'm recording on <clears throat> this side. So I think I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you, but you're very faint. Can you turn up your volume on, on your computer? I'm, I'm not on my computer. I'm on my phone. On your phone? Can you turn the volume up on your phone? It's all the way up. All the way up? <clears throat> I think we'll be all right. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, hold on. Let's see. I got three, five. So, three, two, go. Hey, everybody. This is John at Ubaldi Reports. With me is my fellow co-host, Joe Bitts, a retired combat Marine who was wounded in Iraq because he stepped on something he probably shouldn't have stepped on, but he's good to go and he's doing all right. But it made him the man he is, the man, the myth, the legend. So how's it going, Joe? Good, John. Uh, there seems to be, it's always a flutter with this administration, isn't it? Flutter? It's this guy's chaotic at best. So the way it was kind of explained is that, like, so our president, I guess he went shopping and got ice cream. And... The biggest question is, why does he have to go out for ice cream? He's the president of the United States. Shouldn't he have like a little miniature ice cream parlor inside the actual White House? Well, a lot of times they do it just for optics to say he's one of you. He's going out for ice cream. But But it's just more insulting now because of inflation and everything like that. Well, it's still the optics. He wants to make him like. He's one of us. He's one of the people like he's lunchbox Joe. Mm-hmm. But in a world right now, people are more concerned about inflation, high prices of gas, high prices of food, can't get the items that they need that they once uh, were able to get before. Yeah. So now I guess the Fed or the uh, crap, who, uh, the, who, who, who dictates the interest rates, the federal exchange? Well, the federal exchange does, and that's and they, and now they, because the markets have been in turmoil the last couple of days, and the Fed mentioned today that at its March meeting, it's probably going to raise its benchmark interest rates to combat inflation, Okay, because inflation is running way higher than 2%, and by doing that, it curtails the money supply that's out in the market, because right now you have a lot of money chasing fewer goods, and that drives up the prices, meaning you have a high demand, but low supply, and that fuels prices. Are we expecting another like housing crash like we did back in 2008? That I can't 
address because I don't have all the information on that. Okay. But what we will probably see is it depends how the Federal Reserve handles the rate increases. Do they make a sudden shock to the economy mm-hmm. to drive down inflation? Because that's what happened in the um, the early 80s. Paul Volcker came along and put a shock to this that we're going to raise interest rates to, to wipe out inflation. And that coincided with Reagan's tax cut. And eventually, when that settled down, it fueled the, the economic boom. But how this is handled to keep inflation in check, because at the time, in the 70s and early 80s, you didn't have the supply chain disruptions like you have now. Yeah. So there's a lot of things beyond the Federal Reserve. And even the Federal Reserve cha- Chair Jerome Powell stated that he believes we're still going to have supply chain disruption all through this year. It may get better in the second half of the year. But for all this year, we're going to see the same problems we're seeing now. So what did the president, when he was, before he called, what was his name, Steve Ducey? Peter Ducey. Peter Ducey. Before he called Peter Ducey a, uh, a dumb son of a bitch, there was a question about inflation, or inflation and Biden kind of murmur, murmured something like, inflation is an asset. What do you think he meant by that? Well, I think what he said is Peter Ducey asked him the question is, is inflation going to have an impact on the midterm elections? And that's when he, he said, made that comment. I didn't quite understand where he was going. Inflation, of course, was inflation, but he kind of called him a, a dumb son of a bitch for asking that question or dare asked him the question. But the question I would have wished they would have asked is, how is spending three to five trillion dollars on your Build Back Better plan? How is that going to reduce inflation? How is that going to reduce prices? And how is that going to fix the supply chain disruption? None of that is going to impact those areas. And that was one of the the key components that Joe Manchin was afraid of, especially like the the earned child tax credit, which the Democrats still want to revive Mm -hmm. by giving people money who have children. And Joe Manchin wants it placed by a means test. And we're not going to give it to everybody you make up a certain amount, then you may get it, but it's going to be tied to some type of work requirement. Well, the Democrats don't want to put any work requirement to it. They just want to make that a mandatory thing. Well, that's going to impact what we can do if there is a recession or if there is some type of external crisis that we need revenue to help address. Uh, so, you know, we kind of been like hitting on the economy and inflation and stuff like that. But what else do you think is another concern for Americans other than voting rights and Ukraine? So well, I mean, that, that doesn't seem to be on the forefront. But what is on the uh, like? Well, the big thing is Americans aren't cons- aren't worried about Ukraine. That doesn't even register a blip. Nor are they concerned about voting rights. They had record numbers of people vote in November of 2020, but they are concerned about crime. Crime is rampant in these cities, especially over the weekend when you had, what, three police officers in New York shot. Two of them were killed. You had a police officer in Houston was killed. And there was other instances of police officers being shot at repeatedly. There's more times people being police officers being killed this year than was probably going to be last year if everything goes right. So they're concerned about crime. 
and there was a an actor was at a, uh, I think a Rite Aid in New York. I think his name was Stephen Rappaport. And he saw someone just brazenly walk in with a backpack, fill up his items, and walk out right past the security guard. Michael and it seemed like he was stunned to deal with that. And the White House response is, well, this is all about guns. Well, there's even liberals in it. If you're focusing on just that, you're going to be you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. And even Harold Ford Jr., who's a Democratic, former Democratic congressman out of uh, Tennessee, said the same thing. If you focus strictly only on guns, you've, you've lost your argument because you have these progressive prosecutors and even you have the governor of um, Oregon releasing a thousand criminals back onto the street at, over the objection of these prosecutors and victims and victims rights advocates. Yeah. So I think the, the, the thing is the, the argument for guns is moot anyway, considering that the current administration gave a bunch of guns to the Taliban. So that is, but I think more people are, are worried about, I think the Afghan issue is off the table because right now no one's focusing on that. You could use that argument, but the argument is that you have these progressive prosecutors in Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Minneapolis, Seattle, San Francisco, LA are refusing to prosecute these minor crimes like shoplifting, like in California it was Prop 47 downgraded what constitute a felony. It used to be anything over $450 was a felony. Now it's up to $975. So you can steal anything you want, shoplift the TV, and nothing's going to happen to you. And then they like this, the the uh, prosecutor in New York mentioned that there's certain crimes he's just not going to prosecute because he wants to have more equity. He wants to have to end this incarceration racket, but he needs to realize this impacts the people of color, black and brown communities, which he supposedly wants to help. Mm -hmm. But the, no, go ahead, Joe. Well, also there's the simple fact that there was someone that committed arson in front of Fox news when they burned down their Christmas tree and nothing happened. Yeah. Because the, the argument, it was a felony, but because it wasn't, didn't harm anybody and it wasn't violent enough so they let they they let him go on a minimal bail and he was out the door and they Mm -hmm. skipped so but the but the problem is when it comes to crime it's beyond just everybody focuses on the progressive prosecutors but they also need to focus on what is going on in these cities you have and i know i've talked about it till we're blue in the face is the educational opportunities in these cities are horrendous. Like take New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Seattle, New York, um, San Francisco, LA, they all have horrendous educational achievement gap where they're all about helping people of color. Well, 70% black and brown or black, you know, black and Hispanic children can't do math or English to grade level. Mm-hmm. So that diminishes what kind of job they're going to get. They have, lack of family structure. Nobody wants to talk about that issue. So there's, there have to look at all aspects, but the first aspect, you have to make the community safer and they're just not. I mean, I would be worried if I lived in those cities, you had what, two weeks ago, a woman was pushed into a, uh, a subway train in New York. 
another uh, young girl who was a graduate student was stabbed in her place of work. Mm-hmm. This concerns a lot of Americans. They're just scared to death. Do we walk? Can I walk out? Do, can I take my kids? Yeah. So um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if you're following the <clears throat> the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. They're they were making their selections, stuff like that. And it seemed like maybe like a little bit more research, maybe for another show, is that th- they're kind of using politics to decide who gets in and gets out, you know, who who stays or who gets in and who doesn't. And I can't really think of the pitcher's name, but he is very conservative. Oh, Kurt Schilling. Okay. And they didn't give him the nod to get into the Hall of Fame, not because he wasn't a great pitcher, but because of his political beliefs. Yeah, that that would be interesting to look at maybe for a different podcast, because I know he didn't get in because he was very outspoken conservative, but he didn't have a great relationships with a lot of the sports writers who make the ultimate selection. And I know David Ortiz of the Boston Red Sox got in. And then, um, was it, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds didn't make it on their final eligibility. I think you got 10 years. And then the, the baseball writers will make their own decisions on a, on a, on a different time period if they ever get in. Mm-hmm. So it, I, would, I would have to go back and look and see what was the reasons why Kurt Schilling didn't get in. Well, do they give a reason or is it just, sorry, you didn't get enough votes today? I mean, we just, we don't know. They don't really give a reason. We don't know how they, the sports writers vote. Maybe afterwards they get a little bit more transparent, but they really don't say why they voted a certain way. I mean, there's some players you can tell they're going to get in, but when there's a marginal player that – had a great career, but was it good enough to get him in? That's open for debate. But I mean, like, so you have legitimate reasons, okay? So even though I don't think I don't agree with it, you have Pete Rose for gambling, okay? Then you have like Barry Bonds for using steroids, you have whatever Clemens situation was. Well, for Clemens was Clemens and Bonds were for the use of steroids. That's what they were nailed for. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sports writers. I mean, I don't know how many, but they were saying they cheated to get ahead. So they want to punish those players that did that. They 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 ruined the game. Now Pete Rose was for gambling, and there's some segment that Pete Rose should get in because he did it after he got out of he retired from the game, not when he was a player. So if you're based in his Hall of Fame. Um, vote on his playing days that should have been the, the count not what he did afterwards okay but sports writers are sports writers are going to make their own decisions so we'll have to see how that plays out and see what their their, their rationales after in the weeks that come they're going to probably get more talk more about it or especially come july when they actually have the induction ceremonies mm-hmm. so we'll see all right. So what about, I think you really wanted to kind of get into the Supreme Court justice. Well, really right now, it's, I mean, as I was watching, I heard the news this afternoon, Stephen Breyer's retiring. 
But then as the day went on, he didn't make the announcement. It was leaked. And there's speculation that the leak came from the White House. Some said there's a few that said it came from Breyer's close to Breyer. But he was and there was reports that he was fuming mad because he didn't get the chance to make his own re- announcement. It was leaked for him. So let's just say it stands and Stephen Breyer does retire. That opens the it's it's not going to change the balance of the court. It's still going to be six, three, six conservatives, three liberals. Yeah. But it gives President Biden not a win, but it gives him an opportunity to select a younger progressive on the court. Now, he did make the statement that he wants to, as he said in the campaign, if I have a selection, that person would be a woman of color. So now he's limiting his options to who he chooses. Now there's are some candidates out there. We'll have to see. Now the problem he, he could have is like he has in his cabinet. If he picks a woman of color that is not up to the job of being a Supreme Court nominee, and that could come out during the hearings when they start pressuring her on these key decisions or key court cases, how she responds through her judicial jurisprudence just like the, when they had Kavanaugh or Gorsuch or Amy Comey Barrett they clearly had a command of the the constitution and the, they had a very sharp legal mind mm-hmm. would he pick somebody let's say you look at his cabinet secretaries Pete Buttigieg that person clearly is is not up to the task even Kamala Harris as vice president who was a prosecutor, a district attorney in San Francisco. She was an attorney general, but she didn't really distinguish herself in that when she was on the Senate Judiciary Committee as they challenged the Supreme Court nominees. Mm-hmm. So it could blow up on him. He could pick somebody that really fits a, a box, but is really not up to the task of being a Supreme Court nominee. So we'll have to see how that goes up in the coming weeks or months. I'm not sure when they're going to have their hearings. I mean, the court term ends at June 30th, so it could be anywhere between now and then. It could be through the summer. I think it's going to probably be in the next couple months before the term ends. So they can do that. They can select us. They can select a Supreme Court justice prior to the Supreme Court justice leaving. Yeah, they can do it because this he'll Judge Breyer will just finish out the term. And that person will take over next term. Yeah, that's they, they can do that. That's done in the past. Okay. Typically, they retire at the end of the court term. So, meaning they would, June 30th, the court session's over or the term is over. Then they start selecting who their clerks are going to be for the following term. And that's typically when they announce their retirement. But Judge Breyer did it early or it was leaked that he was he was going to retire so is so would clarence thomas still be hanging on just because they're under a progressive or liberal type of administration and like well it could be because that's what um, judge Breyer could have done the same thing he knew that if he waited till the following year let's say 2023 and retired and the Republicans take the Senate, then he, the Republicans would have a chance to block any nomination coming through. But would they do and that? And justices would have they, done that before. Would they, would they do that or would they just make sure it's a, a proper 
pick. Well, when Scalia died, Mitch McConnell held off the appointment until after the presidential election. Mm -hmm. A lot of Democrats were fuming that that was Merrick Garland, who was Obama's um, nomination to the court. Yeah. So they could do that. And right now we're seeing both parties look to the courts to absolve themselves of what the legislature doesn't want to do. So they're they're making the court more political than it should be. Because even Antonio Scalia didn't want a lot of these social issues debated at the court. He wanted Congress or the states where the Constitution firmly put a lot of these social issues to be debated and voted on, not the courts. But we're in the situation we're in now. This is what we get. So we'll have to see how it proceeds further. Who did Kavanaugh replace? Let's see. Kavanaugh. Who did Kavanaugh replace Antonia Kennedy? Now, he passed or he retired? He retired. The one that died was Scalia, and they didn't nominate anybody because that was 2016. And then when President Trump took over, he nominated Leo Gorsuch for that position. And And then, you know, obviously, Kavanaugh Kavanaugh replaced Kennedy, and Amy Comey Barrett replaced Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she died about a month or two before the midterm elections. Yep. Okay, but McConnell wanted to no. hold off to the next election when it came to Scalia, but wanted to go through with it when it came to Ginsburg. Yeah, I would give, I mean, let me correct my, what I said is Ginsburg died before the 2016, I mean, excuse me, before the 2020 election. Yeah. And the Democrats were furious because they wanted it to be pushed over. Well, the Republicans said, nope, we're going to go through with it. And they went through <laughs> Oh, yeah. A lot of this is just pure politics. Before, it really didn't matter. I mean, they, the, the, the presidents would nominate their person, and more than likely, they would, unless it was some bizarre individual, they would get selected. Even though Democrats hated Scalia, when Reagan nominated, he won, he got confirmed, I think it was 98 to zero. Yeah. Well, you don't see that today because it's so polarizing the way the courts go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these key issues, especially like gun control, um, abortion is the key, abortion is going to be the key issue. And for Republicans, the key issue is judicial activism. Well, I don't think abortion is that big of an issue because there was two rulings that went to the Supreme Court and then got kicked back. No, but it's still an issue because. Conservatives are the far right of the Democrat Republican they want to end Roe versus Wade. So abortion is always a key issue. But for Republicans, it's the judicial activism, like this case regarding vaccine mandates. The, the liberals believe, well, we're in this pandemic. This vaccine saves lives. We got to do it. The conservatives looked at it. If you want the, sea, uh, the um, OSHA to do this, to, to punish businesses for not having their employees vaccinate, then Congress needs to give them that authorization. They didn't want the federal government, or not the federal, they didn't want the executive branch, executive agencies to make rules, change the law, and then enforce their own law. They've mm-hmm. said, legislator, do your job. Yeah. The liberals take another, they, they give more and more authority, deference to the executive branch, especially when it's under a Democrat. 
So who does Biden select if you had your pick right now? Well, I would have to go back and look at some of the Atlantic had a couple of the nominees and I have to go back and look at some of the picks, but it is definitely going to be a woman of color because he would go back on his word on that. And that's, he needs to cater to that demographic because that's a huge demographic for the, for the Democrats. But what does it matter? He hasn't been following through on every, he hasn't been following through on everything else he, anyway. But on this one, he's going to. I think he would be hit hard from the progressives. See, the progressives are banking everything on identity politics. Everything has to be either a woman or a person of color or, or a, a person who's black or Hispanic. And I think Biden has no choice, but he's going to choose a black female. Mm-hmm. Who that is, I don't know. We'll have to look at the short list. One of the short lists is somebody out in California who's on this California State Supreme Court. Another one is on a federal district court that's just right below the, the, the Supreme Court. She went through a confirmation that was kind of easily through a couple months back. So we'll have to see how this goes. Now, what about Obama's pick before uh, Trump came in, went into office? Let me see. Who did Biden? Biden picked, I think. Not Biden. I mean, Obama. Obama. I'm, I'm sorry, Obama. I got to go back and look. I think he picked Sotomayor. Obama I think did? His, I would have to go back and look and see who his, who his choices were. No, I'm saying to replace Scalia. Oh, his to, 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 to replace Scalia was... Uh, Merrick Garland, who's now the second, who's now the Attorney General of the United States. So, is there any possibility that Biden will just pick him and kind of forego? I mean, he. Has- I mean, he could. He could pick anybody. He could even pick Kamala Harris because she's an attorney. She could, he can do that. I just think he's going to pick a woman of color because that's who he stated. Could he? And pick he's already. Himself? What's that? Could he pick himself? Conceivably, yeah, I guess, but he wouldn't do that. I mean, it just it it could come from anywhere, but I think he's boxed himself in when he said, "I'm going to pick a woman of color." So it's going to be a female, a black female. Yeah, but we like also, I said, who, we also saw how that went with him picking Kamala. How she is a vice president that's not really performing. Exactly, but that's why, why, why would he kind of pigeonhole? Why would he pigeonhole himself again? into saying, oh, I'm going to get a woman of color, and then it just will blow up in his face. I'm not saying it will. It could blow up in his face again. But he did, during the campaign, he said, I would pick a woman of color. So he's tied to that. And progressives have banked everything on. He won't pick anybody that's white. Mm -hmm. That's that's not going to happen. Because progressives bank everything on You've got to pick a, either a black female or a person of color. Yeah. And he already said that he's going to pick a black female. So I think he's tied to that issue, just like in the campaign when he said, I'm going to pick a black female to be my vice president. And he did, but he picked Kamala Harris. And I just thought everybody drank the Kool-Aid that thinks that she was a smart, capable individual. But when you live by diversity politics, you die by diversity politics. And so we'll, we'll see. He could pick somebody that fits a, bl- a block, but then when she goes through confirmation, she just looks totally above her head. So he could put like he could put Hillary or he could put even Obama back in there, right? 
Yeah, but he's not going to, I mean, there has been a president, the last, pre, only one president, a former president became chief justice, and that was Chief Justice um, William Howard Taft, but he's going to pick a black, a black female. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the question who he picks. He's got weeks and months. He doesn't have to make the decision now because the term doesn't end till June. But I think he's going to be, it's going to be sometime in the spring before they hold, hold confirmation. And this depends when they want to do it. Can the current Supreme Court justice, can he just be like, sorry, no, I can't? Yeah, he can say, I'm not, well, he hasn't officially said it. So it could be just rumor. He goes, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to do this. Okay. So pe- basically people could just be like where they're speculating and the media is just running with it. Well, yeah, because it looks like it was I mean, when it first came out, I thought he did it. And as time went on through the day, it was leaked that he's retiring. Mm-hmm. He hasn't given official confirmation that he's going to retire. So everybody's jumping on it. So, but it and doesn't, it was re- it doesn't, does it really matter of him who he puts in? I mean, the, the vote's still going to go the same way, regardless. What do you mean the vote's going to go the same way? Well, when it comes to, comes to decisions through the Supreme Court, there's still a, a six. Well, what he's doing, he's basically picking progressives for progressive. Yeah. It doesn't change the balance of the court. Now, just because a president picks a, uh, a Supreme Court ju- a judge to sit on the Supreme Court, they're going to rule the way they suspected it. Now, the way I would pre- uh, Supreme Court choices by both Republicans and Democrats have taken, especially Republicans, I've taken a different turn. Like Eisenhower picked Earl Warren to be chief justice. And he was thinking he was getting one juror. He was going to rule one way. And he became one of the most liberal jurists on the court where other Republicans have picked can't, or a person to sit on the court and they weren't as conservative as they had hoped they would be. Mm-hmm. So it all depends who he picks could go a different way because yeah. once you get on, you can fit your own, you can be, totally independent that's why we have an independent supreme court yeah but just so you know it's going to be a black female all right if you say so so because he would be hit from the progressives very hard if he didn't nominate if it's not a black female it's gonna be another black be a, a black male but i mean really what does it matter at this point because he can put it in there whoever he wants I mean, as much as people are speculating, it, I don't know if he's going to be able to hang again, especially the way things have been progressing with his first year as president. Uh, so it's really, going to be really hard for him to pull the nose up. So needless to say, gotta, we might have a one-term president here. And then actually funny enough, he, did you hear that when Trump was announced at a golf tournament, uh, the guy said the 45th president, and then Trump corrected him and goes 45th and 47th. Yeah, but so you got to but you got to remember one thing: the Democratic Party banks on African American votes, voting for them in yeah. high numbers. If they drop below, let's say, into the 80s or even the 70s, that's detrimental to their electoral prospects so he needs that mm-hmm. he can't go back on that he's he's tied to that yeah. all right so i guess 
Well, the other thing we didn't really touch on is Ukraine, if you wanted to broach on that before we end the podcast. Well, I think we should actually make a whole one for that, because that's usually your forte and spending all like all right. five minutes and spending like five minutes at the end of this podcast to kind of go into. OK, really so let's do on. this next week. We'll do the next we'll do that podcast on Ukraine. Yeah. So and we'll right. try to get it out as soon as possible. So once you go ahead, tell them where they can get a hold of us, John. Well, you can get a hold of us by going to Ubaldi, excuse me, Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you go to Facebook groups, you can check us out there and let us know what you think of this podcast and other podcasts. And we're starting to get some traction on TikTok. So check out the videos there, which we discuss, I mean, as much as you can in three minutes, but we do discuss some of these current key topics. Yeah. So, and we should have live stream up probably by February and everybody just look out for that and we will talk to you soon. All right. Take it easy and have a keep listening to you, all the reports.